You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who watches The Watchmen? Today, we're talking about the game changer that is The Watchmen. No, not the 1986 graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. No, not the uh, 2009 live action movie from polarizing director uh, Zack Snyder. But we're talking about the 2019 TV mini series show on HBO, uh, The Watchmen. Hello, Fellow systematic geekologists, welcome to another episode of our HBO series Deep Dives. And today we're talking about, yeah, I will say a game changer. The graphic novel Watchmen from the 1980s was a game changer in how people told stories in comics. I don't know if the you know, they, they shared that like, oh, this this movie, we can never make the graphic novel into a movie. It's, it's, it, it, that's the, uh, um, the, the unicorn out there of all the superhero movies. There's no way you can make this into a movie. Well, they tried. Uh, Zack Snyder <laughs> made it into a movie. People, some people loved it. Some people hated it. Uh, some people thought it didn't match up to the legendary status of the graphic novel. But then then HBO said, what if we did a series about this? And there were skeptics out there, but I won't bury the lead. Um, I absolutely adored this uh, TV show and, and the story that it told. I'll confess, guys, I'll, I'll confess, I am a story junkie. So I'll, I just take it all in. I love any kinds of stories. And this one uh, really had an impact on me and how it shared, um, like it did, like the 1980s graphic novel, how this TV show has kind of changed how we tell superhero stories. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. I'm with today some of my favorite human beings. Um, I'll have them introduce themselves. Hey, I'm, I'm Will Rose. I'm one of the co-hosts here on Systematic Ecology. I'm from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be here uh, with some co-hosts today. So Kino, introduce yourself in case this is somebody's first episode. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? So let me say this. If this is your first episode, shame on you because you should be following the show. You should mm-hmm. be already participating in the group chat and discord and all that other stuff. To re- so shame on you. But if it is, mm-hmm. my name is Keno Kennedy. Uh, I'm a pastor of a small rural church. My only name is I church in Newton, North Carolina. And I love any and all things anime to a certain degree. But. We're here to talk about Watchmen, which is one of my favorite shows that I've seen in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say anything else because we're just getting into introductions because I just let's, let's do the preliminary and <laughs> all the right stuff done before we get into it. So that's that's it for right now. Yeah, that's why I like doing episodes <laughs> with Kino, because like we tend to just like go right into it. And then we're like, oh, we're going to keep this like 30 minutes. And then two hours later, we're like, oh, man, we should probably probably do this. So Kino <laughs> is easy to talk to when it comes to these geeky things. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very excited to hear what Kino has to say about about the show. Uh, James, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? I'm just geeked for this conversation. Unintended. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey everyone, my name is James Demmel. I'm also a pastor. I'm in Salisbury, North Carolina, home of Cheerwine and Food Lion and other <laughs> <laughs> fun regional uh, things. Um, I have had no interaction with Watchmen before um, absolutely binging the show over the past um, week or so and absolutely loved it. So 
I'm pumped. Um, I'm into all things anime as well. Um, I'll fight you if you disagree that One Piece um, is not the best manga of all time. Um, mm, mm, and, mm. Uh, definitively claiming that, putting that out there. It's gospel. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Happy to be here. Happy to have this combo. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. James and I go way back. Uh, he he was a student at Duke Divinity School and, and um, darkened the doors of Holy Trinity here in Chapel Hill. Actually, his first, um, <laughs> first worship, I'll share this quick story, first worship service with us. He came full suit, tie, ready to go. And it happened to be a, the bow day tie. we had our out bow tie, uh, um, outdoor worship service. So someone scooped him up and took him out to a farm and he's sitting there baking in the sun in a full suit bow tie while everyone else is like casual and, and, and shorts and flip-flop. Uh, but we immediately bonded because not only our love for like theology and, and Lutheran theology and, and liturgics, but also like bonded over like geek stuff, sci-fi, Star Wars. I knew he's a big anime and, and manga fan. And, and so as we're curating these conversations at Systematic Ecology, said, James, you should probably get in on, on some of these. And so um, I actually had a hunch that James was not familiar with the graphic novel or the movie, The Watchmen. And so giving him this assignment to watch this show was really part of me going, you know, I know all the Easter eggs. I know the lore. I know the baggage that comes with this um, age old legendary graphic novel. And if this show actually I was curious whether this show would hold up to a brand new set of eyes that knew nothing uh, much about kind of the history and lore of the Watchmen themselves. So that was really my intention. And I'm really excited to hear James take when it comes to, to this, to this show. Um, so yeah, let's, let's hop into it. I feel like I need to share just a little bit uh, of the history um, that, that yeah, 1980s uh, in the thick of the cold war geopolitics, Ronald Reagan, um, DC did something crazy where they hired um, Alan Moore and um, David Gibbons to do this kind of deconstruction of, of superheroes. And, and they wanted to use the justice league for this particular show. Um, uh, for this particular like graphic novel comic book series, 12 issue uh, series. Um, but DC was like, no, with what you have planned, I don't think it'd be good if you allow Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman and uh, Aquaman to do the things you're going to put, the situations you're going to put them in and do things. Like so, so they create these kind of um, prototypes or kind of uh, similar characters with different names that nobody has really attention uh, that much attachment to, to create this story where they deconstruct kind of what it means to be a hero in the midst of conspiracy and um, violence and, and, and sex and, and all those things. And so, um, so there's that. And it, it really was that graphic novel that, that comic book series really changed how people started writing and, and thinking through uh, the superhero genre for the late 80s into the 90s and really how we see superheroes today. And, and as I said, um, you know, as they started making these comic book movies, could they ever make the Watchmen into a movie? Alan Moore said, nope, uh, there's a long history. We could probably do a whole episode on Alan Moore and, and, and that wizard. And he claims to be, he identifies as, as a wizard and, and like um, what he's doing with comics and, and his hot takes on, on this medium of storytelling. Uh, but, you know, he kind of detached his name completely from any any of this property he doesn't want his name attached to it at all um and said nope nope i don't think you should or, or could and but but they did so they did this movie and and they changed some things up for the big screen uh for the graphic novel which we thought that that 
that's what they would do. Um, and then some people liked it, some people didn't. But then it came out, you know, ag again, as the superhero genre at, at its height um, in, in our culture, Damon Lindelof grabbed this property and said, what if we did a, a, a series on this and did a whole different thing? So um, Kino, what do you have a relationship with the graphic novel or the the movie, and then any history before watching this this TV show on HBO? So, so I have to confess that my childhood was horrible because I didn't <laughs> read any comics except for no. I, no, I take it back. I take it back. I did. I did. I did have uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine at the first okay. edition of those, mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, Warlord, but but. I did not know anything about this prior to the series. Okay. And so and so I was like, wait, so I have a best friend. He's a he's huge in DC world. I was like, hey, you never told me about this. He said, well, you never asked. You know, so you know what? You know, you're right. I never did ask. I didn't know to ask. But so no, I I, <laughs> I was not exposed to this prior to now. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to get these graphic novels and and uh and start checking these things out because this this series was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It is. Um, if you look and you Google like top 10 graphic novels of all time, usually Watchmen is up there as number one or in the top three um, of of like graphic novels. And I think as it came out as single issues way back in the 80s, people didn't kind of know what to do with it or where it played. But you put it all together in one trade and then read it all together um, as as one complete story with its backstories and and side stories that wow. that um, that. Yeah, it's it's a it's it was a game changer in, in how and how you tell stories through that medium. Uh, James, how about you? Any history with the Watchmen um, graphic novel or the movie leading into this? I have never uh, read the graphic novel. I have not read the movie or read the movie. I've not watched the movie. Um, <laughs> and, you know, maybe I could have, if I had saw, seen an image of Dr. Manhattan, I could have said this character belongs to that franchise. Um, right. Certainly the, the bright yellow font. I probably mm -hmm. could have associated it with uh, the Watchmen, but I, besides that, I knew nothing about the story. I mean, I was fresh, y'all. I went into this uh, for the first few episodes, being like, "Okay, where are the superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> when is that happening?" Um, so yeah, that's how fresh I was uh, to mm -hmm. this. Was a this was a completely um, introductory, eye-opening sort of experience, and as I was, I was. Uh, I was I was going to ask you, Will. Did you so when this was you said this came out sort of mid eighties, and you would have been pretty young then. Yeah, did, yeah. Did you have any awareness? Um, ah, good of question. Like, of it as it was sort of becoming a thing. Yeah, so I collected comics uh, in the eighties when I was a kid, and then emerging teenager when I started getting to like emerging teenager age, uh, young adult. Um, I started getting out of reading comics because I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be cool and, and surf and not be attached to this kind of geeky medium. But I always always kept my eye on what was happening in geek culture. Of course, love Star Wars and all that stuff. Um, so when when the Watchmen came out. Uh, mid to late 80s, it kind of missed my window. I was, I was not collecting as many comics, reading as many comics, so that kind of missed my window. Mm -hmm. uh, but when then I got back into reading comics towards the end of the 90s, beginning of 2000s, 
people were like, oh, you know, always talked about The Watchmen, always talked about Dark Knight um, by Frank Miller. And like these two graphic novels that deconstructed um, the superhero genre, made it gloomier or or kind of more nuanced in terms of villain or hero and the everyday problems, so kind of a different different way of looking at it. I was like, okay, if this is such a game changer, I'll, I'll read it. And I'll, I'll admit when I first read the graphic novel, The Watchmen, I was kind of like, what, what? what's the big deal with it? Why is this so great? Like, I don't, I didn't quite understand right. it in my first reading. I was like, okay, this is just like comics and, and some heroes that, that have uh, problems and, and they're not all that great. They're anti-heroes or whatever. There's conspiracy. Okay. It's violent. But I guess I was already in the two thousands where that was already a part of the genre. So I didn't realize the impact it had in the eighties when, when they did that. But right. after like a couple of readings of the graphic novel, I'm like, okay, now I understand why this was a big deal. And the masterful storytelling that Alan Moore does with Dave Givens on art in the panels that they, that they move from, from one panel to the next. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. I I did sort of a you know like a Wikipedia deep dive on the series, just sort of trying to acclimate myself. And uh, one of the quotes that stuck in my mind that some reporter said, um, commenting on the original graphic novel, was this was like the moment when comics grew up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so it's interesting that you sort of you like missed that window, but came back to it, and it was sort of like for you, what's the big deal? Yeah, we probably should do a kind of a, a history of um, of comics. There's some great books out there to talk about the different ages from the 20s to the 40s yeah. to then the emergence of the DC Justice League and then Marvel when it gets on the scene and they kind of steal some of the thunder of the DC heroes because they're like Peter Parker's like an everyday person and then you have like the problems of the X-Men and Marvel took that like oh, you know, the the common everyday person and their daily problems uh, lean into the people resonated with and then you get into the 80s and you really get into this kind of the geopolitics of it all, the Cold War, um, the conspiracy theories, and then yeah, you grow up, and then you start to be like, okay, um, what what does this mean, and how do our heroes and the stories that we're telling about these heroes reflect everyday life in itself? So yeah, it was it was a game changer with that, and again, it'll lead into why I think this HBO series was a game changer as well until until it had stories. Um, so so. Um, so, Kino, have you read the graphic novel um, Watchmen? You have not yet. No, 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 not yet, not yet. But it's on. It is on my list. Trust me, it is on my list. Yeah, with these HBO series, we don't do as many recommendations. But you know, if if you like this series, and you haven't read that. I I would spend some time and and, and read it. It is one of the is, is up there. You know, as as one of the best of all time. And then it take it took me a little while to understand what that meant because it's so dense and it's so layered and so nuanced. Uh, but but yeah, and far. And, in terms of its lore and legendary status, it's, it's up there. I'll, I'll recommend that. All right. So let's, let us get into this show. I, I will say, all right. I was trying to explain to, to my wife why Watchmen was important um, and why this HBO series, what was happening. I was like, oh, here's the history, kind of what we've been talking about, the comic book and all that stuff. And then, and then the opening scene in yeah. episode one, yeah. which I was like, okay, is this an alternate history of uh, that didn't happen in real life but we're really showing what's going on it says tulsa 1921 and this race massacre and then cindy's like uh no will this actually happened <laughs> and i was like holy crap and so then surprise surprise um you know um uh a white guy from Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, middle class, was never taught in school about what happened in Tulsa in 1921. 
I had to go then go deep dive into some of that. So that was very apocalyptic in terms of revealing to me something that happened in American history, but then also the show using it as a tool to dive into now what the major theme is of this particular TV show, what they're trying to do and deconstruct with yeah. this. If the graphic novel is about the 1980s and the Cold War and geopolitics, well, this is about systemic racism and the mm -hmm. systems there and the conspiracy behind that. So, wow, they use that as a means to go into that. Kino, what was your reaction? What, you know, as, as an African-American, a person of color, seeing this on the TV, have you been taught about Tulsa? And where was your experience coming into this? And how did you see it through through the eyes and lens of your experience? So so just like you, I, I was never taught about the Tulsa massacre mm. uh, um, in school. I learned about it after I um, graduated high school. While I was in college, I learned most of these um, by attending the HBCU and uh, New Orleans, Dillard University in New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. um, but it, 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 this show, by, by the first scene in the first episode setting the tone like this, it really makes a lot of folks, one, uncomfortable, but it, it has us to then have a conversation that mm -hmm. needs to happen anyway, because this, that, and, and I'm not trying to be funny, but, but there, there are two Americas. There's a, there's a white America, there's a black America. And, mm -hmm. and, and the truth is, is for a lot of black folks, we know about these things that, 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 that the Tulsa is not the only place that it was a coup in Wilmington in 1890. There was a race riot in, in New Orleans, Louisiana. There was race riots in um, um, Cincinnati, Ohio. I, they, they, it's, 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 it's been happening for some time for us, but, but the fact is that this exposes the, the other side of American society and American psyche that we don't talk about a lot. So I, I, I do. <sighs> don't get me started. I, I can go all day. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. No, this is true. But it, we can't not talk about that with this show and then kind of our current context in terms of uh, American history as well. So that's, that's, yeah, we have, we have to talk about it. Um, yeah. And you mentioned Wilmington, like, yeah, I grew up in Wilmington and I didn't even know about the history of, of that uh, until later in life too, post-college, post-seminary. Right. Right. And, 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 and the same thing here is like growing up in Durham, I didn't know that that there was a, a black Wall Street in Durham, that that mm -hmm. was the second biggest uh, resources and wealth in, in the whole country during the time. And I, I know, and I know people, I know people, I know people. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that, that, that type of impact, it, it makes you one sad, but also prideful that this is something that was able to accomplish in a time where a lot was not given to African-Americans, but yet and still we was able to overcome and, uh, prevail through. I, I, that's, that's the other thing I love about this show. It's just, it's just, it's a whole yeah. bunch, it's a whole bunch. And, and it is an alternate America. It's an alternate universe. And it's a story is set in the Watchmen universe. So, so yeah, if the watch the, uh, this is a show that, that happens years after 30 some years after what had happened in the graphic novel. So the, of, of the 1980s mm -hmm. of what happened with the Watchmen. So there's allusions to the Minutemen going way back, the original kind of superheroes in the Watchmen universe. Then you have the actual Watchmen itself. And then you have a new generation after that, that are dealing with the world and the fallout of what happened in that yeah graphic novel and some of these old heroes are still hanging around from from the watchmen so so it is set in this kind of dystopia sci-fi um 
comic book universe. Uh, but but after that first scene, first episode, and then the next day, people talking about, oh, yeah, this alternate reality. And the people are like, uh, excuse me, yes, yeah, an alternate reality, but please Google uh, Tulsa 1921. And then that comes up of what really happened. It brings that thing to light. Then again, allow these these superhero movies, these sci-fi movies, um, are, are tools and means and mirrors by which to help us ask the bigger questions, what's going on in our lives. And this show absolutely does that. James, what was your reaction? The first opening scene, what was happening? You're like, what has Will gotten me into? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. Um, Wow. Um, The brutality and the violence um, that the show captured just in that first episode and the opening scenes was just, I don't know, heart, heartbreaking, gut wrenching. Um, I had known about the Tulsa uh, race massacre, but I think I had only learned about it um, in 2020 uh, when George Floyd was Mm -hmm. killed, you know, and I learned a lot. I think we all um, learned a lot um, around sort of that time, really um, back in 20, gosh, what was it? Uh, 14 with Ferguson. Really, that was sort of a seminal moment, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, did a lot of relearning. So I knew a little bit. Um, but I didn't know much. And I also grew up in North Carolina and knew nothing about Wilmington. And um, what I loved about um, that opening scene was um, the juxtaposition of story um, and narrative, right? So you open in on that scene and um, you have uh, a character who is a child, um, African-American child watching a film, um, a, a black and white film. Uh, and mm-hmm. Uh, the the um, basically what happens. Long story short, is uh, the sheriff is is chased down um, by a figure who is all in black. You know, mm-hmm. happens to be African American, but you don't know it until he takes his his hood off. And uh, fascinating part for me as a pastor, as Christian, was uh, the confrontation sort of happens right in front of the church, and the. Mm-hmm. The, the sheriff on the white horse um, is is thrown down and, and, and confronted, and, and the the pastor and the, the the congregation comes out of the church and is, "What are you doing to our beloved sheriff?" And the 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 man in all black un, unmasks himself, and he's the black marshal of uh, Oklahoma, and says, "No, this sheriff is is corrupt. Uh, there's got to be justice here." And then the crowd, the congregation, as crowds like to do. Uh, gets a sort of mob mentality going. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the black marshal says no to sort of mob uh, justice, uh, no to mob violence. Um, mm-hmm. and, then, and then you pan out right from that scene and you're in the middle of the Tulsa race massacre, like it's happening, like the juxtaposition there and ah. the, competing, the competing narratives that are told even in that awful historical um sort of moment and the competing narratives that are told today around race and religion and all of that stuff. It's just such a densely packed um, opening few minutes of that show. Yeah. And it's interesting. They, they did black and white and then you have the white horse, the black horse, the the sheriff, one sheriff and dressed in white and the other in black. You have this, um, the church that comes out, a predominantly white church, and then you pan back and what's really happened in Tulsa in this movie theater and what's happening on Black Wall Street, is, it sets the tone of what these themes are. And I think a major theme of this show, similar to what was in the original question of who watches the Watchmen in the 1980 graphic novel, like 
these masked vigilantes, yeah, we see them as heroes, but what's the what's underneath all this? And the, is this the best? What's going on? And so a big part of this show is dealing with masks. Who's wearing these masks? Whether you're a hooded KKK person, whether you have to wear a mask to conceal yep. your identity as a police force that's scared for their lives because of violence. You have the Rorschach masks. You have the heroes like um, Sister Knight who wears a mask to conceal her identity. What masks do we use? And um, is it for protection or is it for conspiracy? What are we, you know, even later on the the Sheriff Judd, who, you know, you think is best friends with um, uh, Angela and, you know, ends up being a part of this vast yeah. conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers, guys. Like if you're listening to us talk about this show, then spoilers. Uh, you d- go watch it first before we, we get deep into that. So, so yeah, you, you have race, racism. Yeah, I, I think that from the get go, you're like, this is what this is going to lean into to reveal to us uh, the Watchmen. Uh, but also like masks, vigil- vigilanteism, heroes and villains. Um, it's not just so clear cut as who is the hero, who is the villain, the good guy or the bad guy. Um, and I think that's what the graphic novel did. And then the movie tried to capture, but now this HBO series is, yeah, yeah. What, who, who are the good, who are the bad? What's the vigilante? What are, what are we doing here? Uh, Kino for you, what, what was the, what are some of the themes there that stood out for you in this particular show um, that, that really stand out for you? So, so, and I'm not trying to harp on it, but I have to just talk about it. It's, it's the race. It's the, it's literally the race relations and, and the idea of trying to understand your own history mm-hmm. to then understand your present to then impact your future. Um, but, but you have this idea of power and control of those who don't, those who do have and those who don't have. And mm. then also the system of knowing and not knowing, <laughs> like like it. And 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 the the sad truth is is that the lot of folks are not aware of what it is is going on because of what they pay attention to. And sometimes the best thing to do, and I know we recommended watching the TV show, is to turn the damn TV off. <laughs> to turn the TV off and and interact with folks, but we're so we're so attuned to just be uh, accustomed in our own silos that we don't want to go and venture out, and that's that's not what happens because we're all in this community together. And so it's mm-hmm. it's it's mainly for me, it's just the ability to see the different dynamics that play on in different layers. There's so many different layers in this series that we could all touch on. And, and literally, though we have Joshua, shame on you, 30 minutes, um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so much stuff that we could talk about that I'm like, ah, this no, is no. not fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, uh, another theme is, is fear. I'm a big part of the graphic novel is this kind of doomsday clock counting down to the end of the world and, um, you know, the nuclear scare and who's going to save us from from this uh, and, and this TikTok of, of a doomsday clock. And you have that here. You have another kind of doomsday clock. The clock is ticking and you're ramping up the kind of the, the urgency of what's going to happen and the tension between uh, the, the cavalry versus the police. And then um, who are the heroes, who are the villains, the vigilante. And then you have uh, this FBI detective who, who's pretty jaded because she in her lineage is from the original watchman. Who's not a very nice guy, the comedian. Um, and he, he's not very funny. Um, so, so you, um, you have all those layers of, of fear. And what do you do with fear? The fear of the other, 
fear of a different race, the fear of, of not being safe. Uh, and then you also see like Ozymandias shows up, um, you know, the culprit for the original graphic novel and then the strings he's pulling. And then part of his lineage is trying to do the same thing with money, uh, yeah. with power um, of, of unveiling or unveiling. And, and what was, um, Oh, what was what was her name? It was Lady True. Uh, True, yeah, Lady True, who's manipulating others. The scene of her with that couple that can't get pregnant, and um, ha- and taking and and creating a baby from them, and said, "I want this land for my purposes. I'm going to buy it from you, and here's the choices you have to make." But are they really their choices or not? Her, the way she manipulates and does in the line of her own family line of 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 Ozymandias and others is like, oh my gosh, that whole scene was so intense. Um, of of how we manipulate and what we want and what we can get. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. other right. other other um aspects of this show um that that stand out. Um for me, I'll jump in. Um as a pastor, I thought a lot about God with the show. <laughs> okay. Especially um with the character Dr. Manhattan who does mm-hmm. appear um in yeah. the latter episodes of this show, mm-hmm. um, at least explicitly in the latter episodes. <laughs> um, and going back to that theme of masking, which was is so huge in this show, uh, Dr. Manhattan, most of the time, is completely naked. Yep. Completely yep. unmasked. Um, that's his sort of base mm. form. Mm. He, has yeah. this, he has this scene where he, he meets, uh, he, he goes to to meet and have a discussion with Adrian Veidt, who has tried to kill him 30 years ago. Um, and uh, he walks in to Ozymandias' uh, facility and approaches him, and Adrian Veidt turns around, Ozymandias turns around, and you know starts talking to him, and you're the only person I would know, he says, who would walk in here completely unclothed. Yeah. And so the parallels there with uh, who's wearing the mask uh, yeah. later in so the good. show later mm-hmm. in the first scene where you see um Ozyman, not Ozyman, excuse me dr manhattan the first scene uh you don't see his face you see him pick up a dr manhattan mask and put it on over his face yeah. so he can have a normal conversation with someone mm. he couldn't go out in in public without being you know just um swarmed um so just just a lot there i thought about um theological theory of open theism which is uh mm-hmm. this idea that that god chose to limit god's self in order to allow human freedom so the idea is god limits god's knowledge of the future to allow human choice and god responds to our actions rather than sort of puppeteering mm-hmm. um, everything out and so that's that it, that ends up happening in the show with with dr manhattan who has this you know infinite knowledge of the future and he limits himself pretty interestingly. Yeah, he's kind of omni, omni powerful, omni present. Like, yeah, he you talked about like the beginning, where's the superpowers? And, and most of it at the beginning is his kind of vigilantism. Anybody can put on a mask and, and grab a gun or a couple tools and try to go out there and stop crime. Um, but then where's the supernatural aspect of this? Well, you hear the legendary status of Dr. Manhattan and him on Mars and who this person is, and then and then eventually he is revealed of who he is and where he's been embedded in this story most of the time. And so there you see this kind of supernatural. Um, 
omnipresent, omnipowerful kind of being who plays around with the past, who plays around with the present and the future. And that happens in graphic novel too. Like they, they start naming out dates and choices. Are they making the choices because they've already happened or they know they're going to happen, they're destined to, or something different? Are they even free to do that at all? It plays with people's minds about whether, you know, destiny or free will or what's going to happen in the future or not, um, whether I can control that or not. Um, so, so it plays around with that too, all within the context of, like you said, yeah, mask, unmask. I didn't even think about it, like the only person that's not mad or fully exposed. And what are we exposing? Like in terms of, yeah, um, in the 80s, Alan Moore is playing around with like the nuclear scare and communism in the West and the East and 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 all, uh, the Cold War. And well, what's our present day situation? Let's let's unmask systematic, um, systemic um, racism and and what that does to our society. Um, so so it plays around with that. And and this is a self-contained show. Like it, it's. Um, I love that it had at the beginning, it had an ending when so many of our TV shows and movies are all about like, we do this one just so that we can get to the next one. And we're going to make four of these and we're going to, it's going to be five series or can't wait to the end credit scene. That's going to lead me to the next movie. They haven't made a season two, a season one. And I don't think they're going to do a season two. They're like, Nope, we told the story that we're going to tell. Yeah. And this is it. Um, and as amazing as that was, people are like, I want more, I want more sister night. <laughs> um, then they were like, no, this is self-contained. This is, this is the story that, that we're going to tell. Kino, how about you? So the, oh gosh, the idea of unmasking, then understanding who wears the mask and what's the purpose of it, and then the role of just having knowledge and understanding and who controls that, and then the... Oh, well, so so let me let me say this. Let me say this. One, mm -hmm. I I like the show a lot, but the issue that I have is that these shows are just shows, and then there's nothing. I mean, again, again, it's a, I know it's a TV show, but but conversations needs to be had where we're addressing some societal issues mm -hmm. because, it, it, funny enough, racism affects everybody. It don't mm -hmm. just affect one side or the other side. It affects everybody because when you're dealing with uh, issues of poverty and class and caste and race and all the other stuff, it mm -hmm. impacts it impacts a marginalized community and it actually taxes the society as a whole more than having a society that's more healthier, that's more open, that's more honest, that's more transparent. But we mm. we were rather we were rather saying no, you know, let's keep this over here. This is really not a problem. It's not an issue, but it is an issue. It it is an issue that needs to be addressed, and and a lot of folks don't want to address it because it makes them feel uncomfortable. I am sorry, but nobody cares about your feeling. Nobody <laughs> cares about your feelings but you. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, if you're uncomfortable, that should tell you something. Because in truth and all honesty, that if you are comfortable in your own faith, belief and system, then that's I question your faith in your relationship. Because God is always putting us in uncomfortable situations that forces us to then rely on God more than ourselves. And if you feel mm -hmm. like you are cool with where you are and you everything is good, everything is wonderful, then I, I question your faith. I question your ability to see God in everything, to really saying that if you see that there's a need, there should be someone to address that need. And I'm not saying that because there are folks that's out there that are doing their good. 
that. Yeah, but the the majority of a lot of folks, it was like, mm, I'm good to go to church on Sunday. I'm good to give my tithes on Sunday. I'm good to even do the mission work on the time I do the mission work, but nothing in my community, I'm going to do anything different. No, because mm. I'm happy where I am. No, we got to do something. Get up. Get out. Yeah. What, what's happening Monday through, through Saturday. Um, uh, and, and I think you're right. Like we see that in our society now today. I mean, again, if, if, if this show can be a prophetic voice and hold up a mirror to, to call us to action, it's, it's, yeah. What, what does a prophet do? Uh, it, it comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And, and I think this show in many parts as, as uh, nuanced as it was, as as the acting and was and the story was brilliantly told, um, there were times when I felt uncomfortable and good. I should, if that's the way I'm feeling, I'm if I I'm I'm glad I felt that way, and and hopefully, and it caused me to dive deeper into what is really history and what really has happened or not happened, and and what goes around with that. It's going to call me to action when it comes to those those things. One hundred percent right. One of the things that I was um, really struck by is so the the story throughout the show makes a couple different time jumps. And and what's revealed throughout the show is that there's been this decades long um, morphing of this organization that is basically the Klan, right? Um, They're known in the 40s as Cyclops. They resurge as the seventh cavalry in the the current timeline and um one of one of the characters who's who's a part-time character gets revealed to be the secret leader of this cult towards the end and this person's a politician they're young white man looks like he should be the most you know the base form of what success has looked like you know um and he reveals himself and then he says this line, it's gone too far because it's real uncomfortable right now to be a white man. Oh, wow. And this, this was, that was his line, right? And mm-hmm. I've, heard that, mm-hmm. I've heard that line, right? I've heard that line a lot. Um, not in and, TV shows, in your life, in your daily life now. Like what's happening now? Not, you're not. <laughs> in, my life, in my ministry, you know, I yeah. hear that. Yeah. And um, I just made me think of, um, this is all happening in Tulsa, right? This this man has a con- deep con- He's the senator for Oklahoma. He has this deep connection um, to Tulsa. And we start the show, right, with the racism being very sort of explicit and violent. And then we watch as the rhetoric sort of shifts and morphs over time into this language that's still equally racist but framed in a different way. So people don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Oh, I'm just really uncomfortable as a, as a white man right now. It's mm-hmm. really hard for me. Yeah. You know, tough, you know, suck it up. Like, <laughs> um, one other thing I want to lift up, um, is just thinking about the nature. I think about this a lot in my preaching, uh, the nature of the stories we tell, right. Mm-hmm. Are the stories that we tell are the stories that we consume, right? Are they, are they drawing us closer to God, to one another, or are they building gaps? Are they driving us apart? You know what I mean? Are they growing our hearts larger? Are they shrinking our hearts mm. uh, and making us cold and bitter and, and whatever? And so what are the narratives that, that we're consuming and, and how are they functioning and operating? Is a, is a, I think that's a huge theme in this show. 
Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I and and it's it is weird. Like, yeah, like we we do this show to talk about things we geek out on. Then you have these shows that that's why I call this show a game changer because I do think other shows. Um, uh, Lovecraft Country, uh, another show that they did, kind of leaned into this as well. And I think this show gave that show some permission to go yep. and lean harder in, into some of those themes and, and then open up this conversation. Again, this happened in 2019. This is before the pandemic. This is before George Floyd. But as you mentioned earlier, there are other things in the 2000s that have happened uh, that that has been um, exposed. But, you know, were we ready for this conversation in 2019? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, this is in the... Um, you know, the Trump administration and, and other things that that kind of these kind of dog whistles that signify some language there. They were like, oh, how, how are we how are we dealing with this? I, I think it's important. And here is this like comic book hero, the comic book genre uh, that that is exposing and helping us stare in the mirror and ask some questions that are important questions to ask in the same vein of if i don't know if you guys have read any octavia butler uh she's an african-american sci-fi writer who who died a few years back wrote the peril of the sower uh, i read that over the pandemic and i was like oh my gosh this is actually happening she was a prophet she said it in the like 2020s and it was happening i was like oh my gosh she wrote it way before then but i, I couldn't believe what i was reading um, but but yeah, that that's what these shows shows can do, and this show has done. And and man, I'm I love it that they didn't like sell out to try to do like three more seasons, but they told they told the story that they wanted to tell. Right. Um, yeah. So so again, I recommend this this TV show. You watch it whether you read the graphic novel or not before or after. The Watchmen universe is dense, as big, as large, as impactful. But but wherever you start, man, uh, I hope this this show is a part of it. It won eleven Emmys. Uh, the uh, best actress, best writer, best director, the the music, the the tone. It won it won everything, um, and and it should have because of how well it's done. Um, but then again, you know, this, if we're going to re recommend it for folks, I do recommend it for most people. But again, it's, it's not a kid's show. It's not, you know, you're going to roll up with your 10 year old and, and do that. It's for a more mature audience because of, of the violence, uh, the language, all those things. But man, um, these things are reflected in our society. And I think it should be a part of our, our, our conversation. Um, Kino, how would you recommend this show for others? Who would you recommend this show for? Uh, anybody who, <laughs> wants to be uncomfortable to learn to find comfort in God. Hmm. Because hmm. if, if, and the reason I'm saying it is, is because there, there's a, there's an unction that we have that we don't want to be challenged or pushed or tried. And hmm. I, and, we, and I know I'm guilty of that. I, I know I was like, don't, don't make me go over here or don't make me do this or don't make me, I don't want to do anything. But, but I know <laughs> that when I'm obedient to what God is telling me to do, then, like like the scripture says, it's better than my sacrifice. <laughs> mm, mm. It's literally better than my sacrifice because I'm willing to go where he's saying or do what he's challenging me on, even if it is uncomfortable, because it is in those uncomfortable moments. I get to say, Lord, be with me. I'm here because you told me to be here. Or I'm doing this because you told me to do it. Help me to find you in this. And then I can when I see him, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is so good. I want to do it again. Yeah, I want some yeah. more of it. I want to be more of that. I want more of that. So if you want to be challenged, watch this show. If you want to, if you want to understand not just race relations, but masking dynamics of power, sex, <laughs> uh, family dynamics. I ain't got you. You know, I'm huge, huge yeah. on family systems. Yeah. I ain't yeah. touch any of that. <laughs> There's a lot of family systems in here. A lot of family systems. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but this is a, this is an awesome show to just, and if you're listening to this show, one, we thank you for listening and we appreciate yeah. your commitment. And we also know that you're a believer because you can't listen <laughs> to this show and not be a believer. Otherwise you would have reached out and say, Hey, I need to know how can I be saved? Come on, talk to us. We can, we can do that too. <laughs> but, but, but if you are, then, then go and be willing to challenge your faith. Cause I, I know that I've always been challenged and trying to understand um, concert. Well, not you know. Funny enough, I ain't gonna say nothing. But but I'm trying to understand the far right. Let me say it that way. I yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so so yeah. I I watch Fox News. I read all the stuff that's online just just to get an understanding. Not to say, oh my gosh, you're horrible. No, so I can understand their minds and they're thinking. So I can't have a conversation to saying that your fear is that you think that somebody's gonna come and take your stuff. Guess what? I got that same issue too. So let's let's figure out how we can get this together. Mm. I, got this. I, I don't want anybody to come up here and take my stuff. I will shoot you just like anybody else. <laughs> okay? So, no. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, and again, like our, our premise for systematic ecology is that we know there's kind of a diversity among like geekdoms and what we believe and what these geekdoms and, and genres and fandoms uh, bring to the surface for us in terms of our identity and what we believe and what we don't believe. Uh, but we want to create a healthy conversation. So we understand the diversity that is out there. And so, so yeah, if we did not hit on a theme of this show or something that's going on that we should have because of our limited time of this special that we've already gone over for um that that uh yeah hit us up on the social media let us know what what are we missing what are some things that that we could talk about or if as watching the show that stirred something in you that you think is an important conversation uh for your life for your relationships for your faith community for for your neighborhood uh james um if if someone who would you recommend this show to uh how would you recommend this show what what was your take on that yeah i would recommend this one almost for everyone that's a mature audience. Mm -hmm. um, and the way, the why I say that is because it's, it's such an easy hook, right? Um, here's this superhero show, um, but it baits you in. And all of a sudden you're thinking about these big questions. Mm -hmm. um, you're thinking about God and you're thinking about the ways that we mask ourselves. We're thinking about story and narrative and all that stuff. So if you, mm -hmm. if you want to think about any of those things, um, and if you, you need to think about any of those things, if you have a friend out there who, you know, needs to think about these things, maybe say, hey, watch this one with me. Um, over. Um, uh, and also, um, this show, it's, it's a bit ironic to say this, but the show is such a delight in terms of, mm -hmm. of writing and sound yeah. and cinematography and special effect. I mean, like this, is, it's just a well done. Oh, it's so well done piece of art um so if you appreciate any of that stuff yeah um, i would even think like a youth leadership team or even like college student ministry or, or young adult like let at least watch that first episode and what yeah. does it stir up that opening scene i mean you have like a almost like a moses image of this boy being put in a basket and floated down the river to yeah. safety and to something else and then what happens later on when he emerges uh this this moses-like figure you know hooded yeah. justice is a big part yeah. that's one of the characters like what what does that mean so i think under the guise of we're going to watch a superhero show y'all uh le okay fun let's roll up a chair we can bring some popcorn and you're like all right all right now sorry to bait and switch you we try not to do that at um systematic ecology not to bait and switch people but you know if, if we're going to have these deeper conversations for our lives man this is a show that is able ah great yeah we could talk forever 
Yeah. Thank you all for listening. At, like we, we like to do this um, as we wrap up um, with our HBR series and some of our other series. We like to talk about how we binge shows and stuff. Like James, like what, what, what is like your TV habits or binging habits? I know I gave you this assignment and you you <laughs> fulfilled it with an A plus. Um, but but like your daily life. Uh, I know you watch a lot of anime, you read some manga, but but how you watch TV show or binges, what, what's, what's some of your habits? How do you, how do, you do this thing of, of TV watching? In our age of so much content, I can't do it all. What do you do? Usually my stuff is scheduled, right? So like mm-hmm. Mandalorian comes out on Wednesday, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> morning um, or Wednesday night. Yep. Um, so most of it is like I have a regular rhythm with it until you stumble upon something like this show and then everything in my life went out the window and I was mm. like, watch three episodes of this starting at like 9 p.m. It's <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> late and like just get super hooked into it. So I'm both, you know, uh, but yeah, I definitely binge this one. Yeah. Kino, how about you? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so, so there's too much TV to watch. <laughs> there, yep. there is too much TV to watch and there are too many streaming services to pay for. Even the free ones have a cost to them. <laughs> uh, but 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 uh, you know, I, I like I like to. I'm with um, James on Wednesdays, Mandalorian and Ted Lasso. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And and right now, what I'm currently working out to. So when I go to the gym, this is what I watch is uh, Van Van Vanlin Saga Two, Season Two on Netflix. Okay. Um, right. Is it anime? I, is, um, oh, I'm hearing this. Yes, 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 okay. it's anime. It's anime, and okay. I just I finally got James. I finally got through the the first part of second season, where it's just mm-hmm. the back story. I'm like, I wanted to see some killing and heads being <laughs> smashed and all this. Uh, I ain't cover all this foo foo stuff. Don't I don't care about the villains. I told you I don't care about the villains. Something <laughs> <laughs> happens that will be so much more meaningful now. It does though. It is. It is. It's, it's all making sense. I, I went through it. I was like, well, I was on the trip. I was like, oh, you know what? This, this is 30 minutes. I'm going to watch this 30 minutes. And then boom, it, it, it made it easier. Made it easy. Anime loves some flashbacks, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. I love it. Yeah, and and Watchmen loves their flashbacks too, as well. Like, yeah, I, it works. I was a big fan of the the TV show Lost, and Damon Lindelof was attached to that as well. And so they they did flashbacks. I mean, some of the same style of flashbacks, flash forwards, present. You know, they they play around with that. That was good. Yeah, that's good. There there is too much. There's so much content. That's why Sismic Ecology uh, puts out as many episodes as we do, and we'll be here forever because yeah. it's nonstop. So we're, we're with you through it all. Yeah. If, if um, yeah, thank you listeners for listening and taking time because we know there's a lot of content. There's a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of stuff, but you're spending time to listen to us talk about it. Um, and again, it's a community that we're trying to curate. And and so um, let us know what you're listening to, what you're binging, what questions um, that you wrestle with. And then remember that you're not alone in all this. We're here with you. God loves you. We love you. And uh, as we wrap this up, I, I, like, to, I like to have this sound off. Um, the geek in me honors the geek in this was an Amazon Ministries podcast if you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network be sure to check out the Amazon Ministries podcast network